We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, this from Jay Teal via the Apple Podcast review capability. Give us five stars. Write us a quick one-sentence review like Jay Teal has. He writes, I'm a Commanders fan, and I love the conversation about the Commanders, but I love when Kevin has conversations about the Wizards. Please more. I don't think we've gotten that before. That may be the first request for more Wizards talk in the history of this podcast. We get signed Zach Leonsis. We get the occasional request for more Terps talk, you know, which I understand. And I went to the Maryland basketball game last night. But the Wizards, yeah, I love them. You know, I love them. But I'm not even paying attention to them this year. It's painful even though that Bilal Koulibaly looks pretty good. Um, yes, he does. Yes, he does. He looks very good so far. I mean, they give up like you know 135 GQ, every night. Do you know that GQ magazine wrote a story that said Jordan Poole is exactly what the NBA needs because the NBA needs more fun? They really did. Jordan Poole is exactly what the NBA needs right now. And the point in the story is the NBA needs more fun. I think Wizards fans would tell you they've had enough of that kind of fun. They've, like, they're overflowing with that kind of fun. You know, Andre Blotch grabbing the microphone, Gilbert pooping in his teammates' shoes. They've had fun. <laughs> That's a long time ago now. I don't. Well, they don't need any what's, more fun. What's fun about Jordan Poole? That he just kind of dribbles well, down he's and. Goofy. And he takes goofy yeah. shots? Yeah, that's it. Because he's goofy. He's unserious. Yeah. Well. I can't believe how bad of a magazine GQ has become. It used to be one of the standards. It did? I mean, I can remember. Oh, rem- God, I, yeah. GQ I can remember reading lots of stories in GQ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is pretty bad. They got interns running garbage like this. The Washington Wizards <clears throat> are now officially... The worst uh, defense in the NBA, um, allowing 125.4 points per game. Um, oh. they, they also 
They also allow teams to shoot 50.4%. That's a league worst against them. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like every night somebody's going for 130-something points. Last night, now, I didn't watch the game, and I really don't watch Wizards games this year. I mean, it's the first year I've just not even paid attention. Um, but last night, uh, Joel Embiid went for 50 against the Wizards in a 131-126 in a yeah, win. It's standard operating procedure against the Wizards. Look, I watched more from them this year already than I probably have all of last year. Why? Just because I'm real curious about the kid, the rookie from mm-hmm. France. Yeah. And uh, I'm still very, I'm still excited about that guy. I, he interests me. Yeah, he interests me too. And but he, you're the go-to now for this podcast on Wizards Talk. So go ahead, tell us about Bilal Koulibaly. Well, I'm not going to talk about that too much. Okay. I mean, he's got, he's got, seems to have tremendous court presence, good defense. He's a great shot blocker. Doesn't seem uh, too overwhelmed by the moment. I mean, that's what this scout who told me that the Wizards might be good, so God only knows what he's talking about. He told me that when they interviewed this kid, his composure blew them away. Uh, he basically, he, he was the biggest presence in the room, and not in an obnoxious way, but in a self-assured way. Wow. Um, so uh, that, that's something to be positive about. You know, this front office, the new front office, Winger, and uh, I don't even know the name of the GM, Elliot or something like that. <laughs> that's close uh, enough. <laughs> okay. But, you know, they may be, they may be geniuses, because when they, when they signed Kuzma, to a contract, and then they traded for Poole, everyone thought, well, wait a minute. They're supposed to be tanking. Yeah. You know? They're not going to tank with these guys. They're going to be a little bit competitive. This isn't what we want. We want bottom feet tanking. And we thought they were, they were sabotaging that. It turns out they may be brilliant. This may be the best tank anyone could have hoped for. Yeah, this is a pretty good tank job. I mean, you know, they're right yeah. they're right there with the Pistons right uh right now. Um so uh Embiid had 50 last night. The last time they played the Wizards, he had 48. <laughs> he's averaging I know, that's what I said. He, Standard it, operating. He's averaging form. 49, but the last game and I wanted to pull it up just to make sure I was right about this. The last game when he went for 48, he had in the third quarter against the Wizards he was a perfect 10 for 10 from the floor and 9 for 9 from the free throw line. He did not miss a shot in that game. That means nobody guarded him. So last night I went to the Maryland game. I'll, I'll talk about that here in a moment yeah. for you Terp fans. But when I got home, I flipped on and you know, I can stay up late, you know, more often than I used to because of my my schedule, which isn't so new anymore. It's 6 months in the making, I guess, but I turned on the Clippers against the Nuggets because I love Nikola Jokic, love to watch Jokic play, and I really like the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard's one of my favorite players in all of sports, and, you know, they recently added, you know, James Harden in a trade, and it did not start off well at all, but um, I bet the Clippers last night getting a point and a half at home against Denver because everybody was on Denver last night. And um, being at the Maryland game with Harley from Window Nation and his friend David, we had had a great time last night. Um, 
I, I threw out that I like the Clippers and Harley, who I love Harley dearly, but he immediately said, well, no, it's got to be the Nuggets, which made me really decide I was going to play the Clippers last night. <laughs> no, Harley's actually a pretty sharp better, but he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it just seems like every everybody loves Denver. Everybody, Nobody understands that the Clippers have actually started to play better recently. I actually follow them a little bit, and, and Denver as well. And the Clippers won. They won outright 111 to 102. They've al- actually now won, I think, seven out of their last 10 games. They're back to 500. And who knows? Maybe. Maybe this Harden thing, you know, where he's not the guy or he's not the number two guy even because really Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are the are the two players on that team. Um, maybe they'll end up being a championship contender. I'll tell you one thing: they play really good defense. Um, and so, well, I can understand. I can understand why you would have an affinity towards the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard is one of your greatest moments. I know. We don't have to go I mean, down. You, you've, you were you, on you, top of yeah. the Wizards drafting him right. that year. I mean, wait, several times before Ernie pulled the trigger on who was it they drafted that year? Jan Vesely. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, really, you should, you should, that, that's, that's worthy of Hall of Fame okay. uh, prediction. Uh, you've there. given me. I mean, I'm, I'm still I, impressed the, by it. This is this is one of the only you know things that I've gotten right that you remember, and I'm glad that you remember that. But you remember that because over the years, I have rooted for Kawhi Leonard, and when they won the right. title in Toronto, it was really one of the great postseasons by any player we've seen. He it was a literal literal strap the team to his back situation. Now they played yes. the Warriors in those finals and Durant got hurt. You know, the rest is history. But you know, a lot of people like um Legler has always said to me, How why do you Kawhi Leonard seems to be the opposite of the kind of player you would like? He's a load management guy. He's quirky he's not always viewed as the best of teammates it's true it is true that he is a different cat altogether but when he's healthy I think he is so much fun to watch on both ends like I I I think you could make the case he's been the best two-way player of the last 10 years In the NBA, I think you could. Um, you could certainly make yeah. that case. Um, but anyway, I, I stayed up and I watched the end of this game, and then Sports Center came on, and actually Legler was on with uh, Scott last night, and I watched it for a while. And I haven't talked to Scott about this, even though I actually talked to him last night after the Maryland game. But but he and Legler were going off on how exciting this in season NBA tournament has become. And Scott actually made the comment, who knew? I didn't see it coming. I didn't get it. But this thing has just been captivating, I think is what he said. I haven't talked to him today about this. But apparently... Well, the numbers. The numbers, the numbers are, are bearing it out. I know. Yeah. I can't believe this. The ratings are up. Attendance the, is up. Attendance and, and is up. are up. The the yeah. the players are playing these games with great and almost playoff like intensity. I am shocked. I didn't see that coming. Of course, the Wizards miss all again. <laughs> another were era. Yeah. A, another promotion. Another NBA chapter that they're left out of. It doesn't even require like 82 games to prove yourself. It's just get lucky for a couple of group uh, round plays. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the controversy of the the Lakers Suns and ending the other night was a big sports story. Now, you know, I know we know our audience enough to know that we should probably stop stop talking about this right now. <laughs> um, but they do have the ability, and you do, to fast forward ahead. Um, clearly, but um, Friday night you get the two semifinal games. I think it's Friday night. Is it Friday night you get to choose? See, I don't even know now. I think you get I don't know. Well, let me ask you a question then about that. Yeah. Uh, is it if, Thursday night? If, if, let's is it say, tonight? Let's tonight. Say tonight. Tonight is the semifinals. Tonight. Yeah. Okay. Let's say a team wins yeah. the champion, this, this in-tournament title. In-season tournament thing. So- it's very soccer. Whatever it's called. Yeah. Okay. Would you hang a banner? <laughs> no, but there's apparently a huge trophy involved. I know there's a trophy, but you could stick the trophy like like they did at, at, at the cat at, at the uh, whatever it's called now, the Capitol Center. Yeah, they, they, I mean years ago it was revealed they stuck the Wizards championship, the Bulls championship trophy in a closet. <laughs> you know, so you could you could do that with a trophy, but a banner everyone will see. Would you hang a banner if you won this in-season tournament? You mean like if I were the owner of the team, would I say let's hang a banner for this? No. Yeah. No, I would not. Neither would I. Yeah. Neither would I. I mean, it's not – I. no, it's it, – no, it, it's – the NBA was right about this. Okay, I give them all the yes, credit in the world because Anything I – Anything to get people interested – in the NBA in November and December. And they is 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 good. And they apparently have pulled it off. And you've got yeah. the two semifinal games tonight, Pacers, Bucks, Pelicans, Lakers, and then the championship game is in Las Vegas on Saturday night on ABC. And there's no football that night. There's the Heisman Trophy ceremony, which will be over. Army Navy's played during the day. There's no, it's the one Saturday night starting from Labor Day weekend on, that there is no football. And You see, this is one of the things that the NBA does good. They're willing well, to experiment, you know? Yeah. They're willing to, to try new things. And the NFL, they don't have to, plus they're generally more conservative, so they're going to say, well, let's let, let somebody else try it. They will see if, if we're interested or not. But the NBA is willing to try certain things. I mean, I think their product still stinks, but I think this is an idea that has worked and they deserve credit for it. I think it's a distraction watching these games on these pa- on these floors though. I uh, you know, these colored uh, painted these uh, Well, they could I think they could do away with that. I, I think that I think that'll disappear. I don't know. I think people other I think people like it. I and don't I th- think so. I think it's a distinguishing mark of of a tournament game versus another game. You know, I was just thinking about this. They get another break tonight with these semifinal games. By the way, the first one's at 5 o'clock on ESPN. 5 o'clock. Pacers against the Bucks. Pacers are a very surprising team this year. Is that the NFL game on tonight is probably the worst of the year. New England and Pittsburgh on Amazon. That's saying something. What do you mean? Because Two coaches that may be out of work. That might be in Washington next year, one of them. One of them could be. Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin. The end of the show the other day, you you got me to to think about Kevin Colbert and the tie with Pittsburgh and Tomlin. I still would not bet on it. But um, 
Yeah, so they, they get that benefit too. I, I don't think I'm going to watch. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to watch some of this tonight. I was up watching the Clippers and Nuggets last night. These are the only two NBA games on tonight. The football game stinks. I'm going to pay attention to this. Milwaukee's a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Pacers. Milwaukee's fun to watch with Giannis and now Lillard. The Pacers are fun to watch. If you haven't seen Tyrese Halliburton play, he is spectacular. And then the Pelicans are healthy, uh, and they beat the Kings the other night. And you've got, you know, Zion Williamson along with Brandon Ingram, and I forget who else is on that team now. Um, But I might watch some of those games. I might watch some of them. I'll probably turn it to the football because did you know, Tom, did you know that tonight's Patriots-Steelers game has a chance as of now to go off as the lowest over-under total game in the history of the NFL since they started to keep track of this. The game right now is the total is 30. Um, and wow. the last time a game was 30 in a regular season game, December 26th, 1993, Colts at Patriots, temperatures near zero with 30-mile-an-hour winds. So that's why that game had a total that low. There's no weather issues in Pittsburgh tonight. This is just about how these two teams can't score. Uh, There was a game in the playoffs in 2006, the Panthers and the Bears, that had a total of 30 as well. But this one, there are some spots where the game is at 29.5. Now, I've talked about this, not necessarily with you, Tommy, this year, but Iowa in college football had some of the lowest totals we've ever seen in football games, period. Yeah, I've read about that. Yeah, um, they had a a game there towards the end that was 26 or 27 or whatever. Um, I'm telling you right now, God, I, I, I have no smell test pick for tonight. Although I like the Patriots, but I can't put you people through the Patriots again. I've given them out three straight weeks, and they've lost all of them. They were, I had them in uh, Germany against Indy getting two and a half or three, and they lost 10 to six. They, I had them laying the three and a half against the Giants. They lost 10 to seven. And I had them last week uh, plus the five and a half smell test. That, that line went to plus four and a half. I actually, believe it or not, I don't think I said this on Monday. I got it at plus six. I, I looked at it on Friday. It was at six briefly, and I'm like, I'm going to play it right now because um, I thought it might come down. And they lost six to nothing. So I actually pushed, but smell test-wise, it was a loss. And I like New England again tonight, but I'll tell you what. I am I'm guessing that the publicity associated with this total will actually have the public betting the under. I I bet you that there are public bettors that are saying, "Oh my God, have you seen the total? This thing's going to be six to, to to nothing. This is going to be seven to six, ten to seven. I I just convinced. I'm playing the over tonight. I'm playing the over tonight. And <laughs> well, I'm, you're not giving it out. I'm not giving it out um, because I don't actually have. I'd have to. I'd have to actually ask for um, where the public is lined up now. If they, I'll tell you what, if I get information that my gut feel that the public is on the under, I will try to either give it at the end of this podcast or tweet it out 
um, at Kevin Sheehan, D.C. I do like New England, but that's not an official smell test pick. But So the NBA right. play-in tournament has really kind of hit it well here. You know, there are two semifinal games up against the worst Thursday night game of the year. The Saturday night the situation, they had that figured out. They knew there was no game on Thursday night. And, you know, moving on forward, the co- on Saturday night, excuse me, Moving forward, the college football playoff won't be this this coming Saturday either. So this will be the the spot for the in season tournament championship game in Las Vegas, home of the Super Bowl Excellent. this year. Yeah. You want me to tell you what I did last night? Was it Christmas related? Because you're really into Christmas this year. No, it wasn't Christmas related, but I'll get to that. Okay. Okay. But it'll surprise you. I went to Top Golf in Baltimore. <laughs> really? Oh yes. my God! I knew it would surprise. Oh you. my! Hold on. I mean, it would obviously shock me if you said, you know, I actually went out and played golf and took a lesson or something like that. That would have been. Uh, you would have heard silence on this end because I would have passed out. <laughs> but even Top Golf, to me, for you. You would just you would describe it as this is another elitist thing, although it's not, and golf really isn't um, anymore. But so well, tell me is, about tell me about Top Golf. Tell me about your trip to well, Top Golf. My son uh, invited my wife and I to come down for, mm-hmm. for a night there. He lives in Baltimore. It's right next to the stadium and the casino. You know, they're trying to have this whole entertainment district down there right. and he lives pretty close to there so uh you know it was his treat and i haven't been to a driving range in 20 years i used to like going to a driving range uh-huh. and whacking balls right you know uh, i've only played golf actual golf on a course three times and one of those times uh, i got kicked off in miami because i was drunk and drove a cart into <laughs> one Tra- of the water trap? things they had there oh, okay yeah yeah so, but uh, but I like going to the driving range. I like hitting balls. Uh, but I haven't done it in 20 years. So, uh, you know, they have all kinds of these cool games and stuff that you can do there, and stuff. And that was all fun. And and we you know we had we had food, we had drink. It's a hell it's a hell of a setup. I have to admit. Oh yeah. But there's a guy there's a guy in the in the booth next to us, and and I'm 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 hitting them, but I'm not hitting them that hard. They're not going very far because, I mean, you know, I haven't done this in years. Yeah. And there's a guy in a booth next to us, an older guy, not as old as me, but he's hitting them like, like he's, he's like a boulder. I mean, the sound of that ball coming off that club is like deafening. Mm-hmm. And that ball is just disappearing into the night. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, I got I got to I got to whip you it just here. Step up I your gotta, game. I got to I got to whip it. I mean, I'm not whipping it. You know, I was hitting it, but I wasn't really whipping it. Yeah, you got to generate club head speed. Yes. Well, that's what I wasn't doing. Right. So I did, uh-huh. and I hurt myself. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were about to say, and you wouldn't have believed how far I no, hit it no. when I started whipping it. I hurt it. myself. I did something to my right forearm. Oh, I don't know Jesus if I pulled a muscle God. or tore something mm-hmm. or did something, but I hurt myself. Uh. Well, did you just I hurt sit, myself at the driving did range? Did you sit down and grab a beer 
and watch everybody I else at that point? I didn't tell anybody. Oh, you didn't? I didn't tell anybody well, so, until I got home and I told my wife. Oh my. I said, don't tell our son, but I hurt myself. Oh, Jesus. Uh, on, on that. No, I just acted like I was fine. But, uh, yeah, that was my attempt to really whack it. And, uh, man, I mean, my arm hurts a lot more today than it did yesterday. So that's, that's my one and done at Top Golf. But it was a lot of fun. I'm su- Until I hurt myself. I'm surprised that you didn't go to Top Golf with like some antlers on your head, like an antler hat on your head, to 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 continue with your. I'm enjoying Christmas this season. Well, I figured out why I'm enjoying Christmas. I I, I left this out in the last podcast last Friday night for the first time. Again, like I'm. I guess this is the first time kind of season. I went to Longwood Gardens. Have you ever been there? Longwood Gardens? No, I don't it's think so. It's up in Tennant Square, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's just beautiful, huge gardens and and buildings and stuff with plants and green stuff and Christmas lights everywhere, and it's really festive. So I figured out that's why I'm in the Christmas mood. Because last Friday night, we went up to Longwood Gardens. I know a lot of your listeners have probably been there. Where Where okay. is it, Tommy? It's in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's south. It's south of Philly. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, near Brandywine and that whole area. Hmm. And uh, so that's why I'm in the Christmas spirit. And you know, I I know you're in the Christmas spirit because <laughs> I got a phone call from you the other night about Christmas. <laughs> okay, easy there, easy. Well, let me. I'll. I'll I'll share with you the, the the part that I can share with all of you. Okay. I, I'm I'm outraged by the price of Christmas trees. We're not a an artificial tree family. All right. We just have never been an artificial tree family, although I have advocated for it in recent years. Um, just As well, be, you should look the the Christmas tree experience can be depending on you know the situation. I think a lot of you may be able to relate. It can be very stressful. Uh, you know, going to get the tree, picking out the tree, getting the tree into the stand. I mean, just getting the tree into the stand, getting it, you know, situated exactly the way your wife and everybody wants it situated. And then by the way, you know, that's before you even get to the lights. Um, but I decorating, how many fights have there been over decorating Christmas trees? I'll bet a lot, (sighs) a lot. A lot. Yeah. Um, and so yes. I, I think the one thing that I will share with everybody is this This was the case last year, too. I can't believe how expensive Christmas trees are. I don't even want to tell you what I paid for my Christmas tree. It's embarrassing. <laughs> But let me just tell you that when you live, you know, in D.C., when you live in you know, the immediate Maryland, Virginia suburbs, you know, in D.C. Look, they're probably out to get you a little bit, um, you know, and and figuring that, you know, people will be able to afford whatever number they put on the tree. At one point I said, let's just go to home goddamn depot and get a tree. This is ridiculous. Because one year I was walking through Home Depot before we had gotten um, our Christmas tree. I don't know. This is like 10 years ago. And I, I, I called my wife and I'm like, my God, the tree's here. They're like 30 bucks. 
and they're really nice trees. And of course, we're not getting a tree from Home Depot. We're getting a tree from one of the places that we always get a tree from. Anyway, the trees, Tommy, there were trees at this particular place. Just, you know, your regular Fraser firs. You know, they've got Douglas firs, all the different firs. We, 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 we usually get a Fraser fir, all right? And the tree that we usually get is usually around nine feet. Our ceilings are pretty tall. Um, in the new house, the old house, they were they were not nearly as tall, so it was more of like an eight foot tree. The prices there were trees you could have paid three hundred and ninety five dollars for. Wow! Wow! The cheapest trees were like a buck twenty five, a buck fifty. But you know, everything's more expensive, and I I, I actually so. It, it can be fun, although they, they don't do it anymore. But you, I, I said to him, like, I'll, I'll just tell you, like, he, he's, he, I said, I, I see the number here on the tag, and I said, I'll give you this, and we'll, you know, and he said, no, no. He said, if you've got all cash, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a, a you know, 10% discount. I didn't have all cash for it. So... I ended up paying with a credit card and paying the normal price. Um, but you don't really even have a chance at these places to haggle like you used to. Back in the day, you could act Like, if you went into a Christmas tree place and you paid the list price, I mean, I mean, bless your heart. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute here. What? A lot of these places are fundraising for organizations. Some of them, yeah, a lot you of them are. You went into a place like that? Not like that. And tried Not to, like that. to stiff it, them? It might have been a place like that. I don't remember. Um, okay. But, no, uh, it, the, the trees were always marked up. And, you, I mean, it used to be a haggle fest, you know, buying a Christmas tree. Not anymore. But, anyway, I, I, the guy was there, and he was actually the guy that was running this particular Christmas tree place. And I said... I mean, are people turning around and walking away? And he said, yeah, some people are, but it's been that way for like two or three years. I remember it last year. And he said, for the most part, we're just talking about, you know, it's the transportation costs. It's fuel. You know, that drives so much of it here and so much of why we've seen, you know, prices in everything be much higher. Um, But I'm like, good God. I mean, this same tree five years ago, would have been a hundred bucks, ninety bucks, eighty, seventy-five bucks. Not anymore. I'll tell you one thing, man. It's much more important now for me to keep that tree alive for at least three or four <laughs> weeks longer. We usually, we usually get the tree, which we did the other night, right around, you know, like the week after Thanksgiving. We usually get, right. we usually get rid of the tree very quickly. We're not a family that keeps the tree up much past New Year's. Um, I mean, my wife wants it down, you know, New Year's Day, and I'm like, let's keep it up through New Year's Day. We'll take it down tomorrow. Um, but it's a beautiful tree. It's a beautiful tree. We have not decorated the tree, um, but it's being watered, and it's it looks lovely. Lovely for you know, what we paid for wife, it should have been. My yes. wife's father, uh, very good man. He was an economics professor at St. Joe's College. Very smart guy. Uh, but he was an economics professor, and he watched his money. Uh, and uh, he wouldn't buy a Christmas tree until Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, he, because he knew the prices that he would drop. Get them because, yeah, yeah, 
They got to I mean, get rid of them. What, they they got to eat them if they don't sell them Christmas Eve. Of They're course. no good to anybody. You could go in there and haggle. So he was yeah. To, till Christmas Eve to buy one. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't work um, with us. And look, it's a much different thing now. I mean, our ki- obviously we don't have young kids anymore, um, but you know everybody does come home for Christmas, and uh, we have a very nice tree. That's whatever. Um, I'm actually reading well, we this. Have a, I, I just pulled something up. We have in, like yeah, a, go ahead. We have like a 12 inch tree on our on the, our dining room table. That's pretty much it. Yeah, no. That's how you, Christmas tree this year. You told us that the other day. It's the first yeah. any kind you, of decoration you know, you've had in a while. Here's my Christmas tree. Here's my Christmas tree story about when I grew up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm probably repeating myself, which you do when you yeah. become my age. Yeah. But uh, you know, you didn't have many real Christmas trees in Brooklyn. Most people had artificial trees because it was in the, Brooklyn, New York. You know, there's not that many trees around. Right. Uh, so we had an artificial tree growing up, but once in a while somebody would have a real tree, and then they would put it out on the sidewalk when they were done to be picked up by the garbage men. Right. Uh, there was no tree recycling back then. Except we used to recycle trees because we used to set them on fire on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Like just like the Bowery Boys, you know, we were like the East Side Kids. Or so we used to set Christmas trees on fire and watch them burn. It's better than what you did to that poor Chinese family. Um, dry no, cleaner. no, I'll, I'll, I'll forever feel guilty about that. Um, all right. Well, look, I mean, we have. It's only December seventh, uh, a day that we'll, a day that will live in infamy. By the way, um, live in infamy. It, it is December seventh. We have uh, two shows next week. Two shows the following week. Um, we have the 12th and the 14th. We've got the 19th and the 21st. We have four more shows after today to talk about Christmas. I I used to love Christmas. It used to be my favorite time of year. Obviously, and and it's now I love the holiday season. Um, but Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday by far. By far, and mine I, is Arbor Arbor Day. You like Arbor, Arbor Day? Your, become my you're favorite big tree guy. Holiday. Yeah. What's your favorite all-time Christmas movie? Do you? Because we watch a lot of Christmas movies when the when the boys get home. There's there's always. Okay, I'm going to give you one, but this, it's black and white, so it requires some level of intelligence and attention. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, it's called Meet John Doe, and it's a combination Christmas movie, journalism movie. It uh, stars Gary Cooper. It was made in 1941. I highly recommend it. The whole thing is available on YouTube. So you can watch the whole movie on YouTube. Uh, and it's got a very important political message in addition to Christmas. It was made but in 1941. What was the political message? Uh, well, sort of like what, we've, what we went through uh, in the previous administration. Well, it may be important to you. It's it, let's just say it's an important political message to you. What was it in 1941 that this movie Meet John Doe? I'm curious uh, based on the time period. Well, an ego egomaniac businessman who decided he was going to use the media uh, for his own purposes to take over the country, to run for president. Is that what the movie's about? But it's not. Now that's part of it. Mm-hmm. It's also Gary Cooper, a hobo, 
who used to be a baseball player. Okay? okay. And Walter Brennan's in it, too. How can you not like it if Walter Brennan's in it? You don't even know who Walter Brennan is. I think I know who Walter Brennan is, but, I, but it's not a definite. It's not but a definite. But, again, I mean, that's my favorite Christmas movie. Okay. That and March of the Wooden Soldier starring Lauren Hardy, another black and white movie. Don't know that one either. What's yours? Um, I mean, in terms of like a pure Christmas movie, I, I do love It's a Wonderful Life, and it's an absolute must to watch it every year. You know, what was funny is on Thanksgiving night, it was on, it was on all Thanksgiving weekend. You could find it in a million different places on Thanksgiving weekend. So I do like It's a Wonderful Life. I think a very, very funny Christmas movie with Will Ferrell and Jimmy Kahn is Elf. It's hysterical. Have you ever seen Elf? Yeah, I've seen it. Not a big fan. Um, I like, I mean, I, I don't consider Die Hard to be a Christmas movie. Everybody else does. Neither do I. But I love Die Hard, of course. Um, uh, oh God, I got to think about this. Um, not a big Home Alone person. Um, I, I, I can't even think right now. What other you know? I like I like Home Alone. Yeah, it's so it's okay. Um, I almost have to pull up a list here, which I'm going to do here, so I. Can... Oh, I got one. I got one that's relevant. That that that's not relevant, but that's modern, and it's hilarious. What? One of the all-time funny Christmas movies. Bad Santa. The Ice Harvest. I didn't see that. The Ice Harvest with John Cusack. I swear to God, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, oh, now, that's it. Uh, let's stop the presses. Everybody put their pencils down, okay? You have got to see The Ice Harvest. Randy Quaid is in it. Oliver Platt is in it. It's, it's a Christmas movie, but it is hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it right now into my phone, The Ice Harvest, for us, to, do, for us watch to watch it. it. Yeah. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I know uh, you're not going to watch the black and white movies. What? You're not going to watch the black and white movies, I know. No, I will. Of course I will. I mean, I watch it. It's a, it's a Wonderful Life. Um, the, Grinch, the, the, the Grinch is a given in our household every year. The Grinch is, is an absolute given. And then um, what's the one with Tom Hanks? Why am I blanking on that one? We watch that one every year, too. Um, that's Tom, Tom Hanks? Yeah. Um, Christmas movie? Polar Express. Polar Express. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Let's talk some sports and then finish up the show because we've been going for a while here already. Uh, we'll get to whatever we're getting to next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the show brought to you by Surfside DC's Fajita Boxes. God, they are so good. We got it over the weekend. Uh, Your favorite spot for tacos in DC now offers up a fajita box, which makes dinners easy, especially this time of year if you've got friends and family members over at the house and you want to feed a large group. The fajita chicken and steak, so good. The veggies, all the fixings in a convenient grab-and-go box. You can get it on the go. You can get it on your way home. You can order online and have it delivered straight to your door. Uh, SurfsideDC.com. This is now becoming a go-to uh, for us when we've got you know a bunch of people over watching football like last weekend. Uh, that the fajitas are phenomenal. Uh, SurfsideDC.com. Um, all right, so Tommy, you wanted to talk about, and I want to talk about to a certain degree as well. The Washington Commanders announcing yesterday that they are increasing their ticket prices by an average of 8.9%. Uh, they are increasing ticket prices uh, for two primary reasons, demand and investment. The team has sold out six of its home games so far this season, which speaks to some level of demand. More on that in a moment. And they've poured $40 million worth of upgrades into FedEx Field, not to mention they paid $6 billion for the franchise. Um So, uh, you know, the reaction from fans wasn't overly positive. The timing of this isn't great, obviously, for, for an announcement about increased ticket prices. But you have to do it now, Tommy, because you've got to get these people renewed. You know, it, it's a process that takes time and you got to get it started. And then you, you, know, you, you need to know where you are by the time you get to the end of January with renewals. So, um, yeah. The franchise uh, that is 4-9 and coming off two games where they've given up 90 points in a season which we discussed the other day as one of the worst in franchise history, 
they are increasing their ticket prices. You say what? Well, this is awfully bad news to Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys fans, right? Very bad news for them. Uh, since they're the reason that the prices are going up. Apparently, since demand is one of the things that is driving the price increase because of the sellouts, the sellouts exist because of the opposing fans. Yeah, that's the demand. I mean, this is really, this is double down on balls right here. First of all, to brag about the sellouts and then saying our tickets are in such demand, we're going to have to raise our prices. That's really, a, that's a double shot right there. That's, that's a lack of, of reading the room. I don't know what their finances are. Maybe they should have picked up another couple of, of billionaires on the bus while they were driving around the country looking for people to buy this team. But really, it, it, it's, it, it's a tone-deaf, foolish situation to do it this year, you know, of all years. I mean, you do it. I mean, after you've hired a new coach, a new GM, uh, you know, after after you've done that the following year, I can understand this. But this year, it's, it's, it's a big cesspool as we've seen in a while. And then you raise tickets. Foolish move. They must they must have to. But uh, look, the one thing I might want to point out on your show earlier this year, Howard Eskin, the Philly media guy, oh, yeah. said that Josh Harris will raise ticket prices. He, he did. Says that's what he does. He did. Yeah, he said yeah. that he's he said that he's going to look for every possible way too to extract uh, you know revenue out of the fan base. He Howard so Esk- think- Howard Eskin not a big fan of Josh Harris. There were other people no. in that market no, that I not. had on that. But he hasn't he hasn't sport. had to deal with Dan Snyder. So yeah, I mean you have to you always have to temper everything with what the alternative was that people have been living with for decades. I I I don't mean to disparage. Josh Harris's tenure as ownership. I think this is just bad timing for this decision. I think they could have waited a year. Yeah, so a couple of things here. First of all, the timing of it just is bad. I don't I, I don't know what kind of uh rollout of this information was the you know what what the other options for it were because again there are you know renewals that they got to figure out and then they've got to go you know their marketing strategy is based on probably how many seats are available i i think the idea to kind of present it as demand is really kind of a misread of what we all understand the demand to be, and that is the demand from opposing fan bases other than the Arizona game. The Arizona game was a total one-off in recent years, and it was a celebratory mood, and it's the reason I predicted in my mock schedule they would open up with Arizona because Arizona was the only fan base on their home schedule that doesn't travel. It's not they they weren't going to bring a lot of fans. So... Um, every other you know home game, the Bills, the Bears even, the Giants even. I mean, everybody was surprised at how many Giants fans were at the game. Obviously the Eagles, and then the Dolphins fans took it over. Um, so it, it probably should not have been presented as we have like, you know, overwhelming demand, and so we're going to take advantage of that. You don't have overwhelming demand. You don't have overwhelming demand from – 
the fan base that is super happy that Dan is gone, super curious about what Josh Harris will be as an owner, but intrigued and looking forward to it, but are still waiting on a couple of big things. Uh, You know, the steps towards winning, meaning who are they going to hire, coach, are they going to get rid of Ron Rivera? We all know they are. Um, the name, big effing deal for a lot of people, the majority of people that have identified themselves as hardcore fans over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, and by the way, a stadium, you know, at some point, you know, progress on a stadium. You know, these are the things kind of in order, certainly the winning and the going towards winning is the most important because, look, here's the bottom line. If they end up winning, they won't have to worry about the demand because they'll have season tickets sold, and like a lot of places in the NFL, it'll be with their fans owning them because opposing fans don't buy season tickets to opponents' uh, stadiums. They just buy the one game. But so I have a problem with them presenting it as demand. But overall, Tommy, I I know that this is a pretty significant hike. You know, it's not insignificant. It's not a three percent across the board. You know, which you know really tends to be not noticed by most. This is going to be mo- noticed by most people who are season ticket holders now, or who are people that are thinking about being season ticket holders. But my overall, you know, view of this is what I said when they got the team, and that is thank you, Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson, and all of the investors that ended up paying $6 billion for this team when nobody else was willing to do it. And so without them overpaying for the team, which they did, uh, we might still have Dan Snyder. We may still be going through the process of will he or won't he? Will they, you know, will they vote him out or won't they? Uh, he wanted six billion dollars, and there was only one group that stepped up and paid it. And then they had to make the stadium safe enough for people to even go to the games. And so they had to spend forty million to do that. I think from their standpoint, I you know, I, raising that kind of money to buy the team wasn't easy, and they've got to start to recoup and put themselves into a position where they can operate the business that they want to operate. So I understand that part of it. The, other, the last thing I'll just say is there is a part of this that I think has to do with trying to keep opponents' fans out of the stadium. I think they're just as upset. Let me just say, they are much more upset about it as an ownership group than Dan was. Dan didn't care after a while. He just wanted to sell tickets. He didn't give a shit who was buying them. Um, But I think this group, you know, they knew about the problem, but the fact that the problem has continued this year and they've been witness to it firsthand they don't like it, and they'd like to, you know, for, for Philly fans and for East Coast fans, Giants and Eagles fans in particular, FedEx Field's really easy to get into from a price standpoint and has been, whether it's the price in general 
uh, or the aftermarket price. So they'd like to, with the aftermarket price, perhaps make it a little bit more difficult on that you know sort of broker customer arbitrage situation. And so I think maybe some of it might have to do with that. It's hard to explain that, I think, in a press release, but I don't really have a problem. The timing and, and, and citing demand as if it's their own fan base's demand is, you know, a little bit of a miss for sure. But I, I, I can't – look, look I'm, not think, a, I'm not a season I, ticket holder, I, so those that are right, have a bigger I. gripe than I do based on the price. Uh, but go ahead. What right. were you going to say? I, I think if, if they put out a press release telling fans that in order to try to keep opposing fans out, one of the things we're looking to do is raise prices so it's more difficult for them to get, I think people could swallow that a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that could be something that, you know, that they could at least swallow instead of, oh, my gosh, our stadium is so hard to get into you know, we got to raise ticket prices. We got to capitalize on the demand. You know, this is it's a bad advice. I, I mean, would... and you know, look, how how long do they do they live on? I, I guess you know, it, it could be years. Uh, you know, it's awfully difficult to to really objectively. Uh, cover this team now as opposed to before because you know they're 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 saviors and who are you who am i to criticize saviors <laughs> well you know? I, there's a honeymoon period we we well, I know there's a honeymoon period but with dan snyder honeymoon period should probably last 10 years uh, it should be la- it should last a couple yeah so so, but 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 this is a bad move. This is just that this is tone deaf for when everything about what they need to do right now is to win back fans and show them that 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 they're different. You know, this is not this is not show them that they're different. <laughs> hey, don't. This is not a win back fans move. Don't don't ruin my trip to Tahiti with my wife on my honeymoon right now. We're enjoying ourselves. Stop with that. <laughs> all right, we're fine. You know, we'll pay a little bit of uh, uh, we'll pay a, a premium to go on that beautiful boat ride. We'll pay the premium for that incredible restaurant. We're enjoying ourselves, Tommy. Right now, we're you know what we're doing we're doing we're doing a couple's massage tomorrow. That should be really <laughs> relaxing. Don't ruin it with season ticket price talk. Um, you know, all they have to do. Seriously, if they never want this to be an issue again, is just start winning. And then they will have season ticket holders. They won't have to worry about season uh, stadiums being taken over. And if they're winning, people have proven in the past they'll pay anything for a winner. And, of course, some of the other things that we've mentioned as well I think are very important, and I think they think they're important as well, too. We'll find out what happens with a lot of that stuff in the offseason. But, yeah, um, you're, I, I actually think that the honeymoon period for some is just focused on, well, they didn't have time to do anything with the football team. Let's right. give them until next year. For me, it's... And I, I've said this again, and I'm going to repeat it. Nobody else was going to pay what they paid 
for the team. Nobody. The other offers were way short of this offer. And who knows what would have happened had they not gotten to this price. And so, thank you, Josh Harris and the saviors that, that came around at the right time when he was actually willing so to listen and maybe forced them, to listen. Does that absolve them of every move like this that might be bad form? It absol- For me, it, it absolves them of this. I would have recommended, had I been in the room, is there a way that we can wait on this? And oh, by the way, we shouldn't say demand because pretty much anybody that's paying attention understands that the demand is actually not coming from your fans. They're coming from the opponent's fans, um, fan base. So, uh, but, you know, in terms of actually increasing the prices, they've, they spent 40 million bucks. It's not peanuts to to make to make sure that no gar, no rail came down on the opposing quarterback on his way out of the stadium. Now we still had they some still issues with keep the hot water on. <laughs> we still ago. had some issues with the water and the fire alarms. Um, yes. Yeah. What else on this? By the way, uh, the, the score this weekend will be twenty-seven to ten. Uh, <laughs> Commanders lose. Well, they are a seven-point favorite, to uh, a seven-point underdog to buy. Buy is a seven-point favorite over the Commanders this week. All right, n- enough of the comedy. Um, let's let's get to a few other things to enough finish. Enough of the comedy to finish up. Do you hear the that, show. people? <laughs> Kevin says enough of the comedy. I think that's why you're buying this for the comedy, baby. Twenty-seven <laughs> to ten. Okay, <laughs> they're not playing this weekend. We're back after these words from a few of our sponsors. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. Well, you know, you talking about Surfside got me thinking about food, mm. good food. And, uh, you know, next Monday night on the 11th, my wife and I are going into D.C. We're going to the National Gallery of Art, and then we're going to the Christmas Market in downtown D.C. That sounds like fun. You know, yeah, and we're going to be looking for a place to eat dinner. So we're heading to Shelley's back room where they, ha- they have specials every day, great food, Great menu, and today's special in particular, I think, uh, would be really good uh, uh, for some people. They have a blue cheese chicken sandwich, grilled chicken breast topped with blue cheese and sautéed mushrooms on a butter toll brioche bun 
served with yeah. a mayo, lettuce, tomato, onions, fries, and a kosher dill pickle. Mm, sounds... Okay, that's pretty good right there. That's just one of the things they have on special today at Shelley's for fourteen ninety five. You can find out more at Shelley'sBackroom.com. And I'll be there next Monday night eating their Monday night special probably, 1331 F Street Northwest. Uh, great idea, and you you know what? You guys are going to have a little holiday night in town. Enjoying the holiday. Yeah. Will you will you get by the ellipse to see the national Christmas tree? You know, we went to the Christmas tree lighting last year. We got oh in, my so god, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And it was okay. It was freezing cold that day. I remember. And and you have to get there early, and you have to sit there for a long time until they actually light the tree. And then they light the tree, and then that, that's pretty much it. So uh, I'm not a big fan of, of the national Christmas tree after last we, year. We did um, we did several years when the, the boys were young. We would do the we, – we, we would go down, we would do the national Christmas tree, and then we'd go to, like, Old Ebbet, you know, which is always so well-decorated, yeah. um, you know, for, for dinner. And uh, we haven't done that in a while. We haven't been quite in the holiday mood that you and Liz are in this year. Maybe we'll get into yeah. it here uh, in the next couple of days. By the way, um, I mentioned earlier about the Steelers-Patriots game tonight having the lowest total in 30 years. I missed on this story that is out there uh, that tonight's game between in the in game in the in season tournament between the Pacers and the Bucks is the highest over under total. It's five points higher than any other NBA game in thirty years. It's two fifty seven and a half tonight. Oh my God! So the NBA seems to be. In 1991, the Denver Nuggets, which would have been a Doug Moe coach Denver Nuggets team with Kiki Vandeweghe and Alex English, like those those teams were scoring a buck forty every night. They had a 259 total 30 years ago. 19, uh, actually more than 30 years ago. What are we talking about? That's 32 years ago um, in 1991. Uh, but um, 257 and a half. And I'm looking at my bookie right now, and they've got it right now. If you want to bet the over. They've got it at 257. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com, promo code KevinDC. Man, I might do an over Milwaukee, Indiana, under Pat Steelers parlay bet tonight. That might be my parlay tonight. I don't parlay. I don't put a lot of parlays together. And when I do, they're usually money line parlays. But um, I might bet the over in the Bucks pacers game. Watch that. And then watch the football game and root for, that, for, root for the uh, over in that game, too. I said over, right? Yeah, I like the over in the Steelers-Patriots game. That's 30 at my bookie right now. And 257 is the number for Milwaukee, Indiana tonight in the NBA play-in tournament semifinal game tonight. MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. You've got to put Kevin DC in there, not, you know, ESPN980, Kevin, not Kevin Team980. Kevin DC will get you a cash bonus on your initial deposit. 
Um, so, uh, uh, yesterday I spent a little bit of time on this story that, that Jeremy Fowler and John Keim wrote. I know you read that story. What were your thoughts on yeah. it? Well, my thoughts were that uh, a lot of it didn't really come off as surprising. It wasn't the typical, uh, you know, Redskins commanders uh, pre-death obit that you usually read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Before the Before the body, you know, keels over, uh, and there's usually this kind of national story saying, Jesus, it was really bad. You know, and here's how bad it was. Well, uh, well and then uh, that's keep, the end. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind that you know we don't have um, you know uh, the, the, the investigative reporters. Why am I blanking? I've had them on the show many. Um, Seth Wickersham Bob and Seth. Wickersham. Yeah, we, we don't have Van Atta, Wickersham, and Tisha Thompson writing this story either. So this was more of a football. I know, story. but usually, like at the end of, of 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 Jay's era, at the end of the Shanahan era, right. there's, there's you know there's and there's usually that kind of, so of true. you know, right before the axe falls kind like, of thing. We've ha- we've had and those stories for milder. years. Yes, yeah, this was a bit milder. This was a bit milder. In part, I'm going to give them credit because I think this was probably a more functional coaching staff behind the scenes. Uh, in part because they didn't really have to deal with Dan as much as the other coaches did because Dan was... So preoccupied sailing the seven seas and uh, avoiding testifying before Congress. Uh, so it was it, it it did not give a picture of utter chaos that these things usually do. But it also reminded me that Ron has a very good relationship with national media. Right. That's what it also reminded me of. What. Why? Because they, they there wasn't a lot of negative. There wasn't much negative at all about Ron Rivera. Other no. actually, actually, that's not true. There was a little bit. There was a little bit. There was the there was the quote um, where they said that Rivera should have done more. That you know he should not have given as much. He should not have delegated as much responsibility to be enemy and Del Rio in particular. Here's the quote. Um, uh, the coordinator changes cast a pall over Rivera's future because of how much faith and responsibility he places in them. Several team sources said Rivera, R- Rivera defers to his coordinators on decision-making, sometimes to a fault. And here's the quote, Ron needed to take more ownership, close quote. So there were, you know. Yeah, there were. There were that. And in particular, even though Jack Del Rio is the one who's fired, the damning one is probably with Eric the enemy. Oh, yeah. The, the, this story yeah. this story is really, you know, you get the Harris involvement in the tra- at the trade deadline, you get the Del Rio firing, you get some on Sam Howell. Um but really if you've read this story, if your big takeaway isn't that the Eric the enemy era here in DC um hasn't, you know, hasn't been a it hasn't been a smooth one then i i'm not sure what you read or what you've been listening to with respect to a lot of us who have kind of talked about look and i said this on yesterday's show tommy eric bianemi may actually be exactly what this organization needed but 
this group with Ron still here and kind of the the ease in which uh, these players were handled and very much a a player coach friendly environment um you know it, it it certainly didn't work they haven't won anything and Eric Bieniemy's got two rings so i on like i didn't like some of you know he's gotten better at respecting our time you know some of these quotes about you know working too late working too hard I do think that ultimately, though, that if you read this, what you understand is that Eric Bieniemy's style um, has not been the favorite for a lot of the people out there. Um, we saw the beginnings of this during training camp when Ron, very stupidly, in public, said that players were coming to him to complain about Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. So when you ha- when when we got it that quickly. We kind of like I, I said this morning. We realized after the Buffalo game why Sam Howell was drafted in the fifth round and not the first or the second round because he takes way too many sacks. And I think we've gotten enough of a sense of Eric Bieniemy as to why Washington was the only team interested in hiring him. It's not that he isn't competent; it's that his style rubs people the wrong way. Maybe not everybody, and maybe they're the problem. Maybe the people who aren't, you know, reacting in a way where, hey man, whatever you do, I'm all with you, behind you, no matter what you say to me. And he says, he's admitted, I'm I'm your harshest critic, and I will get on your ass. But I also will be there to 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 build you up when when you do it the right way. They're just he's not gonna be here next year. He's he's not yeah. gonna he's not gonna be here next year, and and it's not just because of this. It's because they're probably gonna hire a GM who's gonna want to hire his own coach, and it's probably gonna be an offensive coach. And why would you, if you're an offensive head coach, why would you keep around an offensive coordinator, assistant head coach? I don't I don't think you would. Um, that's I mean you might, but the odds are that you wouldn't. I thought that was the most interesting part of the story, too, by far. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. Um, all right, what else? I don't think I have anything else for you, boss. I'm going to, you know, go to the cigar store and nurse my uh, sore arm. I did remind myself I think here. I, need to st- what? I think I need to stick to uh, windmills and dinosaurs when it comes to golf. <laughs> Um, well, you certainly can't hurt yourself doing that. That's for sure. You, yeah. you shouldn't be able to. Uh, so I did mention at the beginning of the show that I went to the Maryland game and I said, you know, those that love the Terps talk and they like Maryland basketball talk, I, I didn't talk about the game. So real quickly, uh, they've had a very rough start to the season, Tommy. This was a team that was thought to be easily an NCAA tournament team. Um, they got blown out by Villanova in one of the ugliest offensive performances by any Maryland team ever. Uh, they almost duplicated that, not to the degree that it happened at Villanova, at Indiana in their uh, Big Ten opener last Friday night. And then last night in their second Big Ten game before they play you know, other non-conference games, including UCLA, by the way, at Pauley Pavilion uh, on December 22nd, um, they had Penn State, a league game, Big Ten game, and they won last night 81-75 to in overtime. And it was a big sort of exhale 
thank God you didn't lose this game. They were down seven in the second half. They're, they could have easily lost this game. Um, Penn State was good enough to beat Maryland, but Jameer Young, you Terp fans know this, without J- Jameer Young, I mean, Maryland would be a bad basketball team. I, you could have said that about them last year. He's that good. He was a preseason Big Ten uh, all f- a first team all selection. He had 28 last night. Uh, Juju had uh, 24 and 15 last night. They can't continue to be a team where two players score and no one else scores and expect to be a factor in the Big Ten and expect to get themselves back into NCAA tournament contention. It is so early in the season. They've played two league games. They're 18 more, plus they've got more non-conference games to go. But they were, they're were 5-4 and four overall. Their net ranking, people, is 185. It was 205 last night. I don't think I've ever seen Maryland with less than like a 65 net ranking. And that's like a bad year for Maryland. They've been to the tournament, what is it, eight out of the last nine years or whatever? Um, and so they got a long road ahead of them to build that net ranking up. But all it takes when you're playing in the Big Ten is, you know, a win over Purdue or a win over Michigan State or Illinois, and all of a sudden, you know, that, that you're, you're, you're right back in the mix. But they have got to get somebody else to step up, and I think it's got to be Dante Scott. I was impressed with, uh, with Jamie Kaiser, their freshman last night. He can really shoot it. He's the one guy that can shoot it. Tommy, this is such a bad shooting team right now that they I don't they got to 81 last night because they had 23 offensive rebounds and they got to the free throw line and shot 39 free throws in the game. Um but if Dante Scott really more than anybody else doesn't step up and become a 13-14 point a night scorer somewhere 12 to 14 it's going to be a season which I don't think they'll survive, you know, in the top half of the Big Ten. Um, they were picked to finish, you know, third or fourth in the Big Ten before the season started. And I think Dante Scott's capable. A lot of Maryland fans are frustrated by Dante Scott. I'm not. Um, I think he needs to shoot it better, no doubt. But he's valuable on defense for them. He really is. And I think they're going to need him to step up. And if he does – and you get the freshmen to come along, Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser, and get some depth. I mean, Jahari Long right now is pretty much, along with Kaiser, the only guy off the bench. They didn't even play Bachelor last night. I don't think, I don't, I don't think they did. Um, you know, they can get back into the mix here. But last night was huge, huge uh, to beat Penn State in overtime. By the way, the kid for Penn State, Clary, who is uh, a sophomore, wow, he is He's a legit scorer uh, in the Big Ten this year. He's going to be I – I don't know if his name got mentioned a lot before the Big Ten season started. He had 25 last night. He's already had multiple games of like, you know, 20, 28, 26. Um, he is a big-time scorer. It was quite the back and forth between two lefty point guards, Tommy, scoring point, point guards last night um, with Jameer Young for Maryland and, uh, and Clary for Penn State. Uh, but anyway, it's a long season. College basketball changes a lot, and I, I expect Kevin Willard to get it figured out, and last night was big. Would have really felt awful to be 0-2 in the Big Ten and 4-5. and I mean, I can't remember the last time Maryland was 4-5. and You know, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're a team like Maryland and you're in the, you know, in the top 25 discussion pretty much year in and year out, and you're in the tournament pretty much every year, 
you usually start every season something like nine and one or ten and two, or because you've got all these non-conference games that you build up a lot of wins with. They've lost every non-conference game against opponents that you know were more their speed. They got blown out by Villanova, um, and then they lost to Davidson and UAB. You know, in Asheville early. So we'll see what happens. I'm still, you know, relatively, uh, you know, unmoved by the start because there's just a lot, a long way to go. And they've got some talent. So we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, that's it for me. Um, did you want, and did you want to discuss the Wizards anymore? No, boss. I think I'm all wizard out. You did a great job today. I will talk to you on Tuesday. No Tommy prediction for the game on Sunday, but. <laughs> He did throw out twenty-seven to ten over by. Uh, goodbye, back. Hilarity. To, good ba- goodbye, back tomorrow with Jay Gruden.